Relationship management has been and will always be a key retail strategy for successful businesses and practices. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Casco. Joining me today, Dr. Jeffrey Hausfeld, Associate Clinical Professor of Surgery at George Washington University School of Health Sciences. Dr. Hausfeld is widely published in the medical literature and currently is managing a national debt collection firm, as well as raising capital for real estate ventures, both regionally and nationally. Dr. Hausfeld, thanks for coming on the show. Dr. Caspel, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Let's start with what exactly you define relationship management as. It is really the key to business, and it's something that we really, as physicians, don't quite understand. We don't understand it because we're busy taking care of one person at a time, and that's the relationship that we have to focus on. In business, you have to look at who is your network, who are the people that are providing you service? Who are the people that are providing you business? Who are the people that may be potential entrants into your field as competitors? And how do you control that process? So the management of relationships is really key to understanding business. All right. So in my practice, I'm a general internist. Who should I be focusing on? Who should be the 20% that I focus my 80% of time on? Who are the people that mean most to you in terms of your revenue stream? If that's what you want to focus on, if you want to focus on your charitable works, then we'll talk about that target. But let's say it's your revenue that you really want to focus on. Of the patients that you take care of, who are the patients that will provide the most revenue per time frame available? It sounds a little um, sinister to start thinking, okay, which patient, which insurance can I maximize the return on investment with and I should concentrate on them? It goes against the oath I took. Well, yes. That's correct. But what you have to look at is, that's what I asked you, what is it that's going to fulfill you? Is it going to be increasing your revenue? Is it going to be increasing your ability to do good things for poor people? What is it that you want? And that's what you have to focus on. I just like to get paid for what I do. I don't need to get paid that much. I just would like to actually get paid. That makes me feel good. I like the thank you, Doc, and I like when they pay. Mm-hmm. Well, then you may have to look and say, what are the kind of patients that are available to do that? Mm -hmm. And how do I target those type of patients? Let's talk about how to actually find the existing cash in your practice that's there, and I may not even know how to look for it. Is there a certain report I should run every day, every week, every month? There's certain things you need to examine on a gestalt basis. First is, how are you paying your vendors? You know, are you paying them on the first of the month? Are you paying them on the 30th of the month? Do they have certain criteria that if you pay them earlier in the month, you get a discount? Have you negotiated with each of these vendors in terms of the best deal that you can get? Never done it. Chances are no one in your office has ever done it. Didn't even know it was a possibility. Okay. That could save you 5% in your expenses on a yearly basis. How do I go about doing that? Just make a list of your vendors, whether it's the printing person, the person supplying your medical supplies, and then you can go to your association because many times medical associations will have a buying group. And you ask your association if there's a buying group that you can join that will allow you to get a discount on the things that you use on a daily basis. Paper, sutures, gauze, everything. Everything. And then when you look at your inventory of the things in the office, look and see what is the most costly of the items. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting the vaccines. Oh, brutal. Brutal, <laughs> right? Brutal. Vaccines cost a lot of money. You don't want them sitting on your shelf 
just expiring over time. Right, which happens all the time. All the time. So you have to have a good method of really looking at how much you're going to order, when you're going to order it, when you can give it back if it's not being used. And that's what you negotiate with the vendor. Our uh, current medical supplier gives us these strips that you can kind of use a scanner. A barcode. A barcode, thank you, which is so foreign to a medical practice, but it's the coolest thing in the world. And we should be doing that every time we even use something like the hospitals do. Exactly. That way you know what's gone in, what's come out. You know that no one is stealing your material. And you have a good idea of as to the flow in different seasons. Because you're going to use different vaccines and different things in different seasons. And you'll preemptively know when I should order this and when I shouldn't order this. We were giving the Zoster vaccine and patients loved it. But like you said, our nurses would let them go expired or pick the ones in the back instead of the front. And we stopped doing it because we were losing money. It's a shame. It is a huge shame. Right. So that's one thing that physicians can do in order to really maximize what they bring in and how they're paying for it and when they order it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with banks. Every practice needs a bank. And one of the things that I saw when I was practicing is that you get some cash, but you get a lot of checks. And what we used to have one bank do here, the American Bank was the bank that I was associated with, a small community bank in the Washington, D.C. area. They would send a courier to the bank and pick up the cash three times a week. Mm -hmm. Well, that was helpful in that it stopped the front desk person or the office administrator from going out for an hour and going to the bank and coming back. But now they have something even cooler. Personal automated teller. It is fantastic. We have one in our collection firm because we get so many checks. And what it does, it does the same thing that the tellers in the bank have. It scans your check. It scans the front and back of the check, makes an image that you can retrieve at any time. And then you have to just tell the check scanner where to put that money. It will do an optical read of the amount that's in the box. You have to check that to make sure it's accurate. And then you can post a batch, a batch just like you do a credit card batch, Mm -hmm. that will get deposited in your bank account the next day or even the same day if you do it early in the day. Think about it. You don't have to fill out the deposit slips. You don't have to go to the bank. You don't have to find a parking space. You save gas. You Mm -hmm. save time. It can save a practice thousands of dollars a year. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM 157. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Hausfeld, clinical professor of surgery at George Washington University School of Health Sciences. He also wears another hat where he manages a national debt collection firm. And that's what we're talking about today, different ways of trying to improve money flow in your office. Let's talk a little bit more about the personal automated teller. Is this something that only certain banks will give you, or can pretty much any of the big boys give it to you? Now most banks have it available. You just have to look out for pricing. The bank that I was dealing with here, American Bank, they don't charge you anything for the machine itself. Certain banks may charge you up to $150 a month for the machine, which makes it a little prohibitive in terms of your cost analysis. But you can work with a bank and say, listen, if I keep a certain minimum balance in the bank, if I keep $25,000 in the bank average for the year, I want you to give me this personal automated teller and not charge me for it. Does this kind of get rid of the lockbox concept? Absolutely. The lockbox is a big expense that you really don't need. Yeah, it's about five, 600 bucks a month. Exactly. Here, the checks come in. You know where the check is. You can tell the patient that you have received the check. Sometimes if it goes to the lockbox, you're waiting three, four days before you know that you have received it or not, 
and you have the scanned images of every check that comes in. All right. One little loophole I see is cash is still coming in the office and someone still needs to go to the bank with the cash. Okay. So you ask the bank to have that courier come two or three times a week to pick up your cash, or you go to a cashless office where you say to them, I'll take a check, I'll take a credit card, but we don't take any cash, which is really where we're going to anyway. And will the bank send the courier gratis? Yes. If you keep a minimum balance in the bank, they want your business. And they will try to wrap around your personal business with this. And the more business you do with the bank, the better deal you're going to get, even on your merchant card credit services. So if you're dealing with the bigger banks, negotiate. Every year, you should negotiate a rate with the bank. If you're paying 2.35% for every time you swipe your credit card, I bet you, you can get it down to one7 now, there again, you mentioned using the association. I know our association allows us to get a pretty decent rate, but I know it ain't 1.7, so uh, going to work on that. Work on that. Talk to some local community banks as well, because they may have relationships that can afford to give you that kind of discount. All right. Accounts receivable, the giant albatross. Give me some benchmarks that make sense in a good practice that's going well how much should be 30, 60, 90 days? Okay, let's do 90 days because that's really the one that people look at the most in terms of how well your overall flow is going. So in your practice, Dr. Caskell, do you know how much, what percentage of your AR is greater than 90 days old? I have a number, but I don't know the percentage, no. Is it greater than 10%? You know what? I do know that. It is greater than 10%. It is less than 20%, which I think is pretty good. Okay. The best performers nationally are between 5 and 10%. Wow. Now, that's all money? Is that self-pay money? Is that's it, all money. That's incredible. That's all money. Best performers are between 5 and 10%. Well, are those all plastic surgeons that are getting paid up front? No, that's all comers. We look at all different industries within medicine. We can say, you know, surgeons and internists and pediatricians, the people who are best in breed have an AR of between 5 and 10% greater than 90 days. Is it their technology that's allowing them to do that? Well, it's the systems analysis. It's really using a systems approach to saying, okay, how do I do certain things? Medfusion. Have you ever heard of this firm, Medfusion? Do you, have you used them? I do not. I'm married to someone else. Okay. But if it's the same concept where you're communicating with your patients online, where they're allowing to fill their registration out online, where you're verifying their insurance before they walk in your office, those are the things that either make or break your accounts receivable. If you're using a company like RealMed as your clearinghouse to look at denial patterns from your billing and showing you what your denial patterns are and where mistakes are being made in your coding, then you will be able to decrease that accounts receivable. So those are just two companies, Medfusion and RealMed are two companies that can help bring those numbers down. Are you seeing any inroads with RTA, which stands for real-time adjudication? Any experience with it? Yes, in that RealMed can allow you to do real-time adjudication with certain insurers that participate with them. And the ones that do, you can plug them in right when that patient is standing there and saying, okay, your bill will come to $144. How would you like to pay for that, Mrs. Smith? I'd like to pay for it in 60 days. Is this just a 30-, 40-year-old concept that doctors go to the bottom of the uh, pay stack? Is that because we're so wealthy? Right. We are conspicuous consumers in that, you know, a lot of us drive around in nicer cars and we have nicer homes and 
consumers pay off their credit cards faster than they pay their mortgages because they want that revolving line of credit. We are way down the ladder in terms of how they pay their debt. And a, an article just came out in the Washington Post today saying medical debt has increased tremendously over the last year because people can't pay their other bills. So what's going by the wayside? The doctors and the hospitals. Well, perhaps we should not draw so much attention to ourselves and drive some nice hybrid American cars. Perhaps we should. Well, on that note, Dr. Jeffrey Hausfeld, I truly enjoyed talking with you today on the business of medicine. Thank you so much, Larry. It's been a pleasure to be here. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to the business of medicine on ReachMD XM157. To comment or listen to our full library of on-demand podcasts, please visit our website at reachmd.com. And if you'd like to reach us by phone, please call us at 888-MD-XM-157. And thanks for listening.